Lehman Brothers remains front and center in the governor's race. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Laura Bischoff, State House reporter for the Dayton Daily News. Joe Hallett, senior editor, the Columbus Dispatch. Democratic strategist Sandy Tice and Republican strategist Mark Weaver. The 2010 campaign for governor has been about jobs. The 387,000 jobs Ohio has lost since Ted Strickland took office and the one job John Kasich had after he left Congress. If you don't know by now, John Kasich worked for Lehman Brothers, the failed bank that is the poster child for the Wall Street collapse. This week began with John Kasich defending his work there. Ohio's lost 400,000 jobs under Ted Strickland. He can't campaign on his record, so he and his friends try to tear me down. Here's the truth. I didn't run Lehman Brothers. I was one of 700 managing directors. I worked in a two-man office in Columbus. I have a record of balancing budgets, cutting taxes, and creating jobs. I want to put our state on the right track and bring jobs back to Ohio. Working together, we can make Ohio great again, and I hope you'll join me. But Democrats looking to shift attention away from the job losses are fighting back with this web ad. I ran a two-man office in Columbus, Ohio. I ran a two-man office in Columbus, Ohio. I operated out of a two-man office in Columbus, Ohio, and I traveled all over this country. Full disclosure, I do work on Wall Street. You know, I'm, I work on Wall Street. I know about things that are happening in the business world. I've worked on Wall Street. I've been in politics and I'm in the media. You know, as I said the last couple nights, I do want to work on Wall Street. I do know how that works. You know, I've said it three times this week. I do work on Wall Street. It goes on from there, but you, you get the idea. <laughs> Laura Bischoff, first of the, the first dad, John Kasich's first of this campaign. What did you think of it? I didn't think it worked very well for Kasich. I think you know his, he started out well and he ended well, but the middle part was distracting and it just brought it back to Lehman Brothers. Um, you know, I think that if he's smart about it, he'll stick to the, the issue of jobs, that we've lost 380,000, 400,000 jobs in Ohio on Ted Strickland's watch, and that's how he started out. Um, the, the Strickland campaign, Aaron Pickrell, the campaign manager, said he loves, he loves um, Kasich's new ad because it brings up Lehman Brothers over and over again. That's what the Democrats have been hammering on. Couple of points about the ad. For weeks now, the Strickland campaign has said that, I'm sorry, the Casey campaign has said that Strickland's attacks, Lehman attacks, have not been making a dent against Kasich. Well, if that were the case, they would have never run an introductory ad in which John Kasich says, Yeah, I was at Lehman Brothers, but I was just a small fry. So uh, to me, it was proof that the Strickland attacks are working. Secondly, I think they made a visual mistake, and Mark would might be able to speak to this better, because one frame away from from Kasich saying, you know, I'm downplaying this whole uh, time at at Lehman Brothers, then they cut away to him sitting in a in a dark suit at a great big desk in a big office that just screams Wall Street. So I thought this was this was a bad move. Mark, I mean, where's the son of the postman ad? 
Well, I think he's just, a son of a postman. John it Kasich is. is. And I, you know what? I think he wants to introduce himself to Ohioans and tell the story about his blue-collar working roots. But there were so many insiders pushing him to address this quickly because Ted Strickland has done nothing to talk about his own record. All he's done is attack, attack, attack. That's what you do when you failed Ohio. That's what you do when you promised school funding would be fixed and didn't. And that's what you do when 400,000 jobs are lost on your watch. He still leads off, that Sandy, with the... Ted Strickland has lost 400,000 jobs. It's still, Lehman's in there, but it's still jobs, jobs, jobs. When is the Strickland administration, you're working for the campaign, yes. when do they start to explain what they're going to do rather well, than just Wall Street congressmen? Well, I think they've been, they've been explaining that all along. The top education advocates in the state have given Ted Strickland praise for what he's done for lower education. Higher education officials really like what he's done. And he's done wonderful strategic things to transform our economy, which was hurt nationwide, not just in Ohio, because of the collapse of Wall Street. So that's why we are talking about both what Ted Strickland has done and what Wall Street has done to our state. Nobody thinks Ohio's been turned around. And LeBron James is just the most recent and obvious example of people who are fleeing this state because Ted Strickland has brought horrible tax policies, horrible management, and horrible vision for this state. I thought he was going to the beach. Who's that? LeBron. Oh, well, LeBron was going to the beach, but he's also going to a state where he won't have to pay the same kind of income taxes. You don't I, think you know, I, don't, I don't think it had anything to do with <laughs> what he was paying in income taxes. I think it had to do with whether or not he could win a championship. She's right. That's the spin. In, in, but, that's but the spin. That's, that's, on. that's the spin. The guy but makes so much how much money, more money people pay. And he's, he's not the only one. How many more Ohioans have fled to Florida or to Texas or other have places? Have you talked to LeBron to find out if that's really no, the case? No, he's not taking my calls. Oh. <laughs> uh, just uh, Mary Taylor, Kasich's running mate, made a terrible gaffe. Uh, in Cleveland on Thursday when she said that as a CPA, she had counseled businesses and entrepreneur to flee to Florida to avoid paying Ohio taxes. Uh, Strickland has jumped all over this. So um, uh, I, I don't know how they recover from that. Well, maybe one. he ought to fix the policies instead because you don't need, to need an accountant to tell you that the tax climate, the business climate is better in other places than Ohio. And job one is fixing that. Ted Strickland has failed. Um, John Kasich is on the board of Invacare, a company that makes medical equipment in, in uh, Cleveland, and he did an ad for Ted Strickland saying how good the business climate has been under him. So I think the reason why our business climate has suffered is because of the policies on Wall Street have hurt our state and have hurt every other state in the nation. Okay, let's get to our next topic. What John Kasich did at Lehman Brothers is also in the news this week. The Strickland campaign this week accused John Kasich of doing much more to try to sell Lehman Brothers investments to Ohio pension funds. Kasich has said he only set up meetings between Lehman Brothers and pension fund executives. But Strickland's campaign found an email that said Kasich did personally pitch Lehman Investments to the <coughs> teacher's pension system in 2002. Kasich says he doesn't remember what he calls a 10-minute phone call, which came six years before Lehman Brothers collapsed, and the pension funds did, ended up not investing with Lehman Brothers in this case. Joe Hallett, wh what is this all about, this, this flap? Well, this is more of the Strickland campaign's effort to uh, portray John Kasich as a, a creature of Wall Street with Wall Street values. And uh, he did work for Lehman Brothers for eight years. He did uh, work out of the Columbus office, a two-person office. That's all fact. Uh, and in 2002, uh, his campaign, he acknowledged that he made two phone calls to two state pension systems. To He was a rainmaker. He was trying to open some doors for yep. Lehman Brothers. Uh, and his campaign said, that's it. He made no other phone calls. Well, now the Democratic Party has found this other phone call. And uh, again, it was in 2002. So it's a little bit difficult 
to connect all those dots from 2002, uh, three phone calls, to 2008, uh, Lehman's collapse and, and trying to accuse Strickland, or I mean Kasich, of peddling toxic assets to, uh, to the state of Ohio. I think it's a little bit of a stretch, but I guess I don't blame the Democrats for trying. See, I think it's even more serious than that. What we also learned at this press conference was 20 days before Lehman filed for bankruptcy, one of Kasich's allies parachuted in from out of state and tried to sell a pension fund on what we now know as toxic assets. Was he an He's, ally or a coworker? Well, he was. Well, he had been one of the people who was who was in the room with John Kasich when he pitched the police and fire pension fund. Mm -hmm. Kasich said, "I don't even know the guy." Well, they were certainly in the same meeting together, but they tried to sell these. If you were familiar with Wall Street in any way, you knew they were in deep trouble, and you knew they were going to go belly up. But they so leaked that to John Kasich. We, well, but six John, years later. But if John Kasich is running a two-man office and he doesn't know what's going on inside the state of Ohio, he's either incompetent or he's lying to us. You know, I, I think though, I think it depends. The question is, how was his job set up at Lehman Brothers? Was he, was Ohio his territory? Was, was he supposed to be, was he supposed to know everything that was happening with Lehman Brothers? This guy came in from the private equity office from Chicago and, and Kasich worked for the investment banking branch. So it depends on if, you know, as managing director, of the Ohio office, or or was it just an office in Ohio because he was in Ohio? But see, can he? Does he? How can we say he should run the seventh largest state if he can't run a two-man office? We've got to give credit to Strickland's masters of deception, who have taken us off what is the real issue here, which is Ted Strickland's failed record as governor. Instead, we're talking about a 10-minute phone call from eight years ago. Ted Strickland doesn't want Ohioans to know that he said he would be a failed governor if he didn't fix school funding. Nobody thinks he's fixed school the funding. The education leaders think they he's didn't see fixed school funding. They said they he said he has an evidence-based approach that will allegedly help maybe 10 years from now, but no, it's not funded no by any money at all. He also admitted to Joe's paper, the dispatch Ted Strickland did, that he was duplicitous when he filed a brief with the Supreme Court. He falsely said it's easy to fix the school funding case. He's admitted to lying to people about one of the most important issues in the state. Why doesn't John K, if you're the managing director of the Columbus Lehman Brothers office, shouldn't you be calling the pension funds, trying to pitch your company's business to them? What's, I don't see it's what the really big deal is, and why doesn't he just come out and say, this was part of my job? Because he knows people like the Strickland folks will say, ha ha, you should have known that six years later that it would be bad investments, as if somebody who took but a mortgage eight years ago would know that they wouldn't of, be able to issue, pay the mortgage it's not, later. It's not the, the six years, it's not the 2002 stuff. It's, in, it's just a few weeks before Lehman Brothers was collapsing that they were trying to sucker the pension systems into buying these toxic assets. Yeah, and nobody is and the question that John is, Kasich knew hang on, the question, and he went ahead the question and is, them anyway. did he know this John Dwyer guy from the Chicago private equity office, and was he, did he have any, what kind of responsibility does he have over what John Dwyer was doing? Now, if he's the managing director, you know, does, it's, it's really kind of cloudy as to what, what he did for Lehman Brothers, what were his responsibilities, and you know how much responsibility does he bear for what the other Lehman people are doing? know that if they are one of 700 other employees who are down the line in a big corporation, they know they don't have the authority to affect the outcome of that no, but they corporation. I mean, it, he wasn't. It's interesting because I think that that Kasich portrays it himself as um, a big wig at Lehman Brothers when it suits him, and a tiny cog when it when it when it suits him. You know, he was one of 700 managing directors, but he was also paid. Five hundred ninety thousand dollars in in two thousand and eight, and that was the year that that Lehman Brothers went went belly up. But wouldn't it, Mark? Wouldn't it be better for him to just release the tax returns, lay it out? Here's what I did at Lehman Brothers. 
do it in August. Get it all out there. Well, Otherwise, it's, it's like slow water. John Kasich tax information that he's not required part to release. Of, part of one Because the law doesn't require you to do it. Yeah. Just like Ted Strickland hasn't given that his medical records because the law doesn't require him to do that. And so Ted Strickland gets to run his campaign. John Kasich gets to run his campaign. But this year will be about whether Ted Strickland has been a failed governor. Mm -hmm. And under his own standards, he has been. When does, Sandy, when does the Strickland administration start talking about not education, but the job? issue. Oh, I think they have been talking about the jobs issues. There's been announcements of job creation all over the mm -hmm. state. And if you look at um, people who aren't paid by either side, like the Council on State Governments, we lead the nation in new green jobs. Number one, there's all sorts of things that are happening that are bringing excitement to our economy as a direct result of policies that he's implemented, despite the lousy financial condition we were stuck with because of the Wall Street collapse. Strickland is still up against, though, big names like GM, NCR, DHL, that have, have left the state or significantly downsized. And, um, and you know, that, that is in the forefront. It's on the front burner for a lot of, a lot of Ohioans with 10.5% 10, 10 uh, unemployment rate in Ohio. Okay. It is debate planning time. Media organizations are sending out invitations. Some candidates are challenging opponents to debate. Other candidates are trying to ignore those challenges. Democrat Lee Fisher this week challenged Republican Rob Portman to seven debates. Portman basically said, we'll get back to you. Mark Weaver, you coach candidates on debates. What, what goes into the first acceptance or ignoring of debate invitations? Well, when just, does, when the candidates let me just clear yes. up your premise. Within an hour, Rob Portman said, of course there will be debates. In yes. fact, I think he said there will be a series of debates. Yeah, so the question is, campaigns like to get together and talk about the formats. That's very typical. Mm -hmm. But what we know is you're going to see a lot of incumbents this year not wanting to debate their records. Most of the members of Congress have been hiding from the town halls because they know that they're going to be criticized. And so you're going to see people like Ted Strickland who won't want to defend his record. You're going to see failed Congress members like Mary Jo Kilroy. She won't want to defend her record. And the people who are challenged in these incumbents will want more debates. And you watch the incumbents will try to run and hide. Is John Kasich going to want to debate? Oh, I think John Kasich would do very well in debate against Ted Strickland because Strickland has no reasonable response about how many jobs have been lost. And if he runs on what Sandy recommends, everything's just fine. We've got lots of jobs. Everything's coming up roses. It'll be a double-digit loss for Ted Strickland. But, Joe, debates are uncontrollable. It's not a campaign ad where you can take several takes. Yeah, well, they're controllable in the sense that the candidates just uh, don't say anything. I mean, they, they, they stay on message and they drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, the best debates are when they leave the media out and just let the c two candidates go at each other because they ask far nastier questions <laughs> of each other than I, than I ever could. In the case of Lee Fisher, the candidate who is behind always proposes debates, and he's behind right now. He needs the free media that the debates uh, can bring him because he's at an eight to one fundraising disadvantage. Uh, but I really think that this year's debates, particularly in the governor's race, could be revealing. I think we have two excellent debaters. Strickland was far underestimated in 2006. and. He, uh, I, I thought that Ken Blackwell was would be much more eloquent, and I and I have to say I thought uh, Strickland just cleaned his clock. There will be debates in the governor's race, as in plural. There are negotiations going on right now that I'm not privy to about the ground rules. Mm -hmm. Ted Strickland has this sort of you know likable duck run guy, and John Kasich is a bit more of an abrasive personality. Um, 
I, I is that a fear of the of the? Let's start with Mark. Is that a fear of the of the Republicans that he'll come off as too abrasive? People or? who know John Kasich know he's a passionate person, mm -hmm. and he tells you what he thinks. And not every politician will do that to you. And right now in in Ohio, I think voters have had enough of politicians who act one way in front of you and act a different way behind the scenes. And with John Kasich, what you see, what you get. He's a very passionate person. I think one of the reasons why they've been hiding him from the press is because of these concerns that you just talked about. He's very abrasive. He's rude. He's arrogant. There was a big cover story in the other paper, the Columbus Alternative, this week about um, allegations that he threw a cup of coffee at a young woman campaign staffer during his short-lived presidential campaign. He berated a 16-year-old clerk in a big bear because he wouldn't break the rules and let him write an out-of-state check when he was in Congress. Um, there was a Republican businessman who talked about how arrogant and insulting he was. We hear that kind of stuff all the time, and I think that kind of stuff is going to come out in a debate. I think he's going to be much more controlled in the debate. Joe's right. The candidates are very cautious and very prepared, and they, you know, they're not going to get off their talking points. Um, I think that um, that's why the debates are kind of boring. They're a lot of work. They're kind of boring, and the only way it makes a difference in with the voters is if one of the candidates really screws up, really stumbles badly, comes across as unprepared, or, you know, some other big problem. Well, let's not forget that the impact of debates has decreased yeah. dramatically as we have more choices of our television watching and entertainment at night. It used to be there'd be three or four channels, it'd be on a couple of them, and you really couldn't avoid them. Uh, that's not so much true anymore. And also, local news covers politics less. Television news doesn't like politics all that much. So even when there is a mistake, they're less likely to run it. Right. So the Pe impact is less than it used to be. Right. People have the option of watching Simpsons reruns over <laughs> <laughs> a debate. They always usually do better. Uh, just and they're just as funny. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, back to the point about personalities, uh, Ted Strickland has a street fighting uh, quality to him, to his persona. We have seen that in campaigns. He relishes campaigns. He likes the argument. He likes the fight, and he's good at it. He's showing that right now. So, for someone to suggest that you know he won't have the same kind of passion that John Kasich does in a debate, I think, is wrong. How about the formats in, in two thousand eight? I think you saw it with the network debates, and we followed it here at WOSU, where they became less structured. We basically said, one moderator, we're going to ask questions, you guys can go as long as you want, and then we'll move on to the next one. It, so we took, we tried to take better control, less talking point fest with 60 second response, 30 second rebuttal. Do they help, that type of format, does that help this process, or is it still avoiding questions and talking points and things like that on the part of the candidates. I guess the journalists I think, might I think the format does that. sort of uh, force them down certain paths, mm -hmm. but you're right, that otherwise they, they really do try to stick to their talking points and their message. I think that it, it might be a good idea to, to in debates to have a referee, and after every candidate is asked a question, you turn to the referee and say, did he answer it? And the referee just, yes or no. Somebody who's got uh, a, a lot of... Uh, <laughs> Authority and with no political bias. That's right. a great idea. The Columbus Metropolitan Club did that once. I think I moderated a debate over the income, the city income tax, and they had a guy off to the side who was our fact checker, and it worked pretty well. It still was, you know, kind of a free for all. But he would once in a while would say, "No, that's not entirely true." So that was that actually could work. But will candidates agree to that fact checker? I asked my political. Sure, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it depends on who the fact checker is because <laughs> so many of these things are shades of gray. Yep.
All right. Let's get to our last topic. Regardless of who wins in November, John Kasich or Ted Strickland immediately will have to deal with a dire budget situation. Erasing a multi-billion dollar shortfall will require cuts or tax increases or a combination of both. The Columbus Dispatch this week pointed out a possible solution eliminates some or all of the tax credits or exemptions or deductions many of us enjoy. A Cleveland-based advocacy group recently called for the same thing. Sandy Tice, those deductions, most of us get them. Do they? What do they serve? Uh, well, every one of those deductions has a political constituency that got them there, first of all. And uh, what Ted Strickland has said is that everything is on the table. And what John Kasich has said in typical gimmick style is everything is on the table except taxes. So I think we're going to have a vigorous debate once we get closer to knowing exactly how big the problem is and whether or not we're going to get any more federal stimulus money. And I think it's a little bit too early to talk about that, but it's going to be a big issue, no doubt about it. For most people, they pay their income taxes. To, it's withheld from their paycheck. And then they fill out their tax reform, and they get the deduction that usually results in a, in a rebate or less of a tax bill. Why go through all that? Why not just have the lower tax rate? Why, why have these deductions? I know, I'm naive. Well, no, Sandy <laughs> makes a good point, is that each one of those deductions has been fought by, by, by some legislator and some in interest yeah. group. And a lot of people say, why not just have a flat tax with no exemptions? We all pay the exact same amount. Mm -hmm. We know exactly what it is. A lot of people say that if people had to write out their tax checks separately every week, our tax policy would be a whole lot different, and we wouldn't be facing a governor who wants to tax us like Ted Strickland. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a solution if he wins, because people would come up in arms about it because they would realize how much money it really is. It's worse on the federal level, and it would have a bigger impact there. But if you had to write the check out, a lot more people would be angry at politicians who like to tax. See, a flat tax sounds great, but we have a progressive income tax policy, so your tax rate depends on how much money you make. If you're somebody who makes $5 million a year, you're going to pay a higher tax rate than somebody who makes $15,000 a year. I think that's fair. I think it's reasonable. And I think a flat tax is inhumane. But even a flat tax uh, advocates say there'd be some bottom level where people wouldn't even pay taxes. Remember, in Congress recently, when there was tax cuts, even people who didn't pay income tax, and about half of all households in America don't pay income tax, they were still given a tax cut, even though they hadn't paid. What's going to be interesting is if, um, if, the, if when they try to fix the budget next year, if there's um, going to be a cry about um, any, ch any, any uh, efforts to close tax loopholes, if people will couch that as a tax increase. Yeah. And if it's that broad, if every tax loophole closing uh, or tax break take back is considered a tax increase, as well as the the f the final phase in of the of the what the last 4.2 percent of uh, the income tax cut, you know if that's um, delayed further, if that's considered a tax increase, um, then all you have left is ta is is spending cuts in order to balance the budget. The state constitution requires a balanced budget, so. Um, that's gonna, that would require some really, really deep cuts uh, to, to um, state government and how it operates. Well, so many of these uh, exemptions or loopholes have beneficial results for society. I mean, writing off uh, um, interest on home mortgages spurs home sales, uh, uh, not taxing food helps poor folks who, you know, they have to buy it. So there's, there's uh, you know, everybody can demagogue these things, but uh, most of them, uh, have a true public purpose and benefit. But there, well, are, some, there are some, like, you can deduct now your gambling losses at the brand new casinos <laughs> we're going to have around the state. Well, and other states have that as well, because 
My grandfather used to save his lottery tickets and then deduct that in his wow. income tax. Well, and remember, there's, also, there's <laughs> also a public benefit when we lower taxes because people take that money and they invest it in the economy. Mm -hmm. They grow their business. They hire more people. Those people begin paying taxes. The economy grows. Everyone succeeds. But there are special little tax exemptions all over the tax code. Mm -hmm. I mean, for example, the, there's that uh, one that allows, um, it limits the amount of sales tax on the shares of uh, corporate jets. So like if you buy a share in a jet at NetJets uh, and your share is $100,000, the most you're going to pay on sales tax is 800, 800 bucks instead of paying the full five, what's the state sales tax, five and three quarters or something? But that's an attempt to get big companies here like NetJets and things sure. like that. Sure. Uh, so there's, there are arguments for and against yeah. it. Okay. Let's get to our final parting shots, our off the, reg off the record segment with Mark Weaver. You're up first. Ohioans should keep their eye on the Chief Justice race here in the state of Ohio. Maureen O'Connor this week put out her own proposal for how the judiciary can save money in this budget crisis. Her opponent, Eric Brown, his only response was, gee, that was my job. Of course, he hadn't offered his own proposal. He was simply mad that she did. Watch that race. There are more shoes to, f to drop in that race. Sandy. Uh, William Sapphire's annual political dictionary will have an Ohio chapter when it comes out next, and one of the new additions will be the term coffee mugged, inspired <laughs> by um, the news reports we've seen this week that John Kasich threw a temper tantrum during his short-lived presidential race and actually threw a cup of coffee at a young female staff member. Joe. Uh, both parties uh, have uh, basically lied about their interest in re having redistricting reform. We've seen that because they will not come back before the August 1st deadline to put it on the ballot. And so they're rolling the dice. My prediction is to, uh, the Republicans will win the Secretary of State's office, the Democrats will win the Auditor's office, and then it all comes down to the governor's race, which is a toss-up, and they both want to play play with fire. To win or lose. I mean, winner, winner take all is what yeah. they're going for. Okay, Laura. I think I, I'm going to predict that the Kasich campaign eventually will get it right and will focus on jobs as the message that uh, resonates with voters. Okay. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. We urge you to check us out online. We are now on Facebook and on Twitter. I've gone from shant Twitter to seldom Twitter to now occasionally Twitter. <laughs> so check us out online. Our, my Twitter address is at mthompsonwosu. That's it. Uh, our Facebook page is on there as well. All of that at our website, WOSU.org slash COTR. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel and for the kids banging on the window behind me, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.